won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me on the range point four. This is control. Be radio. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Sensitives, you're tuned to the guard frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 94 and was recorded on October 23rd and made available for download Tuesday, October 27 over at guardfrequency.com. I'm Lennon. I'm Jeff. And I'm Tony. And what do we have this week, Tony? In this week's Squawk Box, the universe might have sprung a leak. In CIG News, we bring you everything that's happening around the UEE, including our weekly crowdfunding update, 10 for the All-Stars Episode 1, Star Marine and Star Citizen Alpha 2.0 development update, and a little bit of news from us here at Guard Frequency. In Nuggets for Nuggets, we take a behind-the-scenes look at Castro's new tourism commercial, and finally we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in the conversation. Sits and Sibs, you can help us bring more of the show that you love by visiting our website, GuardFrequency.com, and clicking on the Patreon button. For the low, low price of $1.25 per episode, you can become a backer and get access to the unedited recordings of the show a whole three days before our Tuesday release. Of course, we're happy to share our labor of love with you each week free of charge. But it's nice to get the occasional concrete reminder that folks out there in the verse love listening to the show as much as we love making it. We thank the folks who have already chipped in and we hope you consider making a regular contribution. The more support we get, the better show we can make. And that takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get on to the show and see what's coming through the school books. Hey, you boys need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. This is Tony saying, welcome to the Squawk Box, everyone. You know how folks get all up in arms about some tinfoiled hat, lizard people, black helicopter conspiracy theories? And then you gotta spend hours and days and weeks convincing them that it's all in their heads, the doomsayers have zero grounding in fact, and if they would just calm down and listen to reason, they would see it's really not a big deal. And then it all blows over, the world gets back to normal, but it turns out that the conspiracy theorists were not 100% wrong. I hate it when that happens. And no, this isn't another attempt to sneak an early hazard index Derek Smart segment under the radar. I'm talking about CERN, or the Conseil European pour la Recherche Nucléaire, or European Council for Nuclear Research that runs the LHC, or Large Hadron Collider. Booyah! Three acronym breakdowns in one sentence. Give me an achievement unlocked, please. Thank you. <clears throat> anyway, um, you may recall that several years ago there was some concern, that was for you, Shiv, about the high-energy collisions that the LHC was ramping up to produce in its gargantuan particle collider. In honor of the approaching holiday, we're talking about real end-of-the-world type stuff here, people. Fire and brimstone coming down from the skies. Rivers and seas boiling. Forty years of darkness, earthquakes, volcanoes. The dead rising from the grave. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Specifically, the concern was that the LHC was creating collisions energetic enough that they could theoretically create miniature black holes. And as everyone who watched the new J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie knows, Black holes on planetary surfaces will result in Winona Ryder falling dramatically to her doom before Zach Quinto's eyes. And nobody wants that. Oh, also your planet implodes and falls into its own core while you watch from a frozen moon. So, yeah, that's bad too. 
but those nutters were just all wacky. I mean, come on, the LHC, we were told, was not going anywhere near those energy thresholds. And even if they were, the black holes that might be created as a side effect would be so short-lived as to pose precisely zero threat to Miss Ryder or any of her Star Trek castmates. Or any of the rest of us, too. Well, guess what? Turns out that the scientists that study the physics of the standard model might have been wrong. Thanks to a few newly discovered wrinkles in the standard model, it may be possible to create microscopic black holes in the LHC. While the teeny tiny singularities will exist for only a single one zero 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 of a second, that's long enough for the detectors to see the products of its decay into other more pedestrian bits. Or conversely, and this is the real hope, that they won't find all the bits. The reason they want some of the bits to go missing, you ask? Well, that would be evidence of leakage of gravitational force into, wait for it, parallel dimensions. Great. So we've gone from no black holes here, nothing to see, all the way to, hey, let's make some black holes and leak all of our gravity into them. Way to give the tinfoil hat crowd more things to crow about, guys. But admittedly, it's hard for scientists to communicate to the common Joe Schmo the scope and the scale of the forces at work here. But we're going to do what we can here at Guard Frequency. To give you some idea of the energies involved here, let me turn the show over to our newest scientific consultant, Dr. Egon Spengler. According to this morning's sample, it would be a Twinkie 35 feet long, weighing approximately 600 pounds. <coughs> That's a big Twinkie. So, yeah, the, uh, they're, they're actually going to try to leak gravity into parallel universes at the LHC. That's a real science thing. That's not an episode of Star Trek. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I did want to point out is that when you say parallel universes, it's not the, um, you know, in this parallel universe, my cat is the president style parallel universe. Right. What they're more yes. indicating is extra dimensional space. So literally dimensions four, five, six, and so on. So if you have like a 2D object... There is like a 3D world that the 2D object exists in, but the 2D object itself has no concept of a third dimension. That's what this test is looking for. It's looking to see if anything can leak along this fourth dimension, this additional right angle that comes out of a fourth dimensional space that we just can't perceive. Right. The idea is that the dimensions of those dimensions, haha, are so small that the only way to access them are these high energy events and that the quote, you know, holes, I guess you would call them, that the gravity leaks through uh, only exist uh, for as long as those microscopic black holes stay stable. I guess the theory says that's the, sort of the conduit that you access those parallel dimensions through for very, 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 very short periods of time uh, and on very, 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 very small scales. It would actually make a lot of very weird math come true. Uh, and it, it's actually really, really interesting stuff. And the world will not end. Because Winona Ryder is safe and sound, even as we speak. Zach Quinto is uh, is, is also going to start the next movie. So everything's fine, everybody. It's okay. Not going to die. Yeah, but by this time next week, I might have found that the studio has just gravitated a few inches closer to Switzerland. That would be okay. Well, yeah. Save you a little yeah. gas. Mountains. Chocolate. Yeah. Skiing. Neutrality. Watches. What more could you want? Yeah. You know, when the, if it... If- the black hole comes and it's halfway around the world, I'll never even know it. Unless you get sucked through the middle of the Earth, that's going to be painful. Also, might ruin your uh, perfect attendance record. Well, 
yeah, that's that may be, but you know, I will at least survive. I am immortal, so that, that is true. <laughs> that's right. He'll be he'll be around to tell us he told us so. <laughs> if anybody is still left to listen. Have you read, seen, or heard something that you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Now let's check out some CIG news. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach, trigger screen, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Our crowdfunding update for October 23rd, 2015 is 93,659,000, up about 600,000 from last week. Star Citizens now number 1,030,000, that's up about 15,000 from last week. And the UE fleet now has 778,000 ships, up about four grand from last week. In a continuation of the 10 for the blank format, this week we see the very first episode of 10 for the All-Stars. Much like the other 10-4 episodes, the All-Star team, consisting of Eric Kieran Davis, the senior producer, Adam Weiser, the associate writer, Calix Renault, the tech designer, and Forrest Stefan, CG supervisor, answer 10 questions from the subscribers and give us all the answers we're longing to hear. We'd encourage you to check out the entire episode, links will be available in the show notes, but we just wanted to share with you our favourite bits. Firstly, Citizen and Guard Frequency fan Krell writes in and asks how open development impacts how the staff do their jobs, and how do they pick what to share and when. And the All-Stars said that they love open development as it lets them produce more content, such as all of the lore articles that have been coming out recently, and lets them engage directly with us, the end users and backers, to get immediate feedback and work it into the designs as they're being built, rather than just scrambling to fix it after release. As for when they decide to release the juicy bits that they've been conjuring up, Eric Kieran Davis lets us know that anything Chris has talked about is safe and that they just don't want to over-promise things, so they make sure to speak selectively about features that are either new or in development. Secondly, citizen Kieran Akari says that, quote, Chris mentioned that players potentially can avoid combat entirely. Having played many different games peacefully in the past, I can say that all almost require combat to advance or progress. How is the team working together to make peaceful occupation exciting, fun, and intriguing? And how big of a priority will this be moving forward? End quote. The team lets us know that in addition to the PvP slider, which will help you avoid being pounced upon, there will definitely be ways for players to be able to plan routes around unlawful zones and hostile forces. However, to quote Calix Renault, ultimately you're probably not going to be able to completely avoid combat. Is Star Citizen really open development? I mean, I think they're the first game that has tried to do it this way, so in a lot of ways they get to create the definition. But this has been an ongoing debate in the community and and with CIG themselves. Is it really open development or is it just more actively marketed pre-release? That's a good question. I mean, at one point or another, every developer, even going way, way back, has always talked about them being open. But seriously, how much do you think that our input is really changing the direction or changing a feature or being impactful in some way or another? I don't necessarily know how we as backers are able to measure unless there was a feature that was put in that was then completely removed because it feels like a lot of it if you take something like the intelligent flight control system that they've put in they've tweaked and they've tweaked and they've tweaked and they've tweaked it seems as if that has been tweaked more effectively to be in line with Chris's vision rather than necessarily a lot of feedback from the players. And I think it is an interesting question about is Star Citizen development now truly open? I think in the beginning it certainly felt a lot more open than it is now. And like you said, they've sort of taken this move towards a lot more pre-marketing approved messages, which 
I think leads to the issue that what we're hearing about week after week after week is only whatever their latest big publication is, like Gamescom, for example, you know. Whereas before we were getting things like, if you think back to the Arena Commander initial release, we were getting details on, we had a go-no-go meeting, this was discussed, that was discussed, we've decided X, Y, Z. Now it's just, oh, there's really exciting stuff coming up and this is a great time for the development. And it's like, that's cool, but you're just saying the same things over and over again. And it just feels like since certain influences, shall I say, in the industry have have come along, that they've really tightened up on the whole open. Could could that also be a symptom of the stage of development that you're at? You know, when it's still design docs and meetings about scoping and whiteboard discussions, that's relatively low cost to take some feedback back on board and and sort of do stuff with. But once you've got stuff working together, you've got some code written, you've got some art assets made and some assumptions made about gameplay, it's harder to change, even if you get a lot of feedback. So is, is now sort of the time when they've picked out their ingredients and poured them in the bowl and they're stirring things up right now and it's really too late to take the eggs out? I think we need to understand what open development is. I don't think it means what a lot of people mean by open development. Well, like I said, this is the first game to actually do it this way, so they get a lot of leeway in defining the term. I mean, what, what do you what do you think, Jeff? I think open development is a, a give-and-take style of development where you show some code, uh, you get feedback, you change your code, you get more feedback, and so on and so forth. That To me, that's, that's my definition of open development. Okay, and by that definition, would you say that CIG has conformed to that? Or did they used to do it, now they don't? Or have they done it all the way throughout? I mean, what do you think? I think in their minds, an open development platform for them is they're very open about what they're developing, not so much that they're making changes based on our feedback. It's just that everything they do is put out into the open. It's more of a one-way thing, not a two-way right, thing. Right, right. Lennon, with that, or what do you think? Uh, yeah. Kind of. I still feel that for for a game that's been entirely crowdfunded that was promised a lot more open development, I think having been bitten by giving things like release dates and insights and everything like that, which the community has then turned around and said, you know, oh, you've missed this, you've missed that, clearly you're just crap at your jobs and all that sort of thing, that they have tightened down on everything so much more. And I think that there's a few more things that they could do to make it more truly open in, in the in the open open sense. I'm not saying, you know, make it open source or anything that extreme. Just maybe let people in on some of the decisions a little bit earlier, that sort of thing. Yeah. I don't know. I think yeah. ultimately what it is, the scope and scale of Star Citizen has, has grown and ballooned massively to the point where it was you're getting a particular type of game and now you're getting a totally different game and the open development, they've tried to scale it and I just don't think it worked that well. So they've really sort of stitched up the... Um, open development holes which has led to it feeling more like a a traditional game i mean if you take our old standby star trek online they produce content pretty much weekly you know and yeah while it's not the depth of the lore articles and they don't have an around the verse type thing they are still producing and pumping out a lot of information that i would say star citizen is doing equivalent of levels and in my opinion not a whole lot more than you would see in any other game being produced let's be fair here star trek online is a mature mmo five years of operation under its belt and they've got a pipeline built and that really works for them and a rhythm that works for them but i think that your point lennon and feeding off of jeff's point earlier is well taken that it has come to pass as we have opined early on that it might 
that one of the consequences of recent developments has been a general tightening down of what we might have once upon a time sort of expected as par for the course, being a little, getting a better peek behind the curtain. I think that it has to do with the fact of you know recent developments, and I think it also has to do with the fact of where they are in the production pipeline. It's that you can't really make a whole lot of changes except on the edges now. I mean, it's it, things may be kind of baked in now, whereas maybe they're a little more fluid before. And so the two-way street really kind of does sort of get narrowed down to a one-way street at uh, this part of the development. Well, the other part, the other uh, question we wanted to talk about this time is uh, combat and combat avoidance and being a peaceful citizen. Can you make a space sim? that doesn't include combat and have that be a viable gameplay option? Not a good one. So you, in order to play this game, you're going to have to shoot stuff sometime. Well, yeah. I mean, whether it's NPCs or other players, there's going to have to be some conflict or the game would be just way too boring. I mean, take us, for example. I mean, we're non-aligned. We're not going to take sides. All we're going to do is go pick up the bodies and patch them together. But I can't say about the NPCs, though. I mean, the Vanduul, for example, are, are probably not going to recognize our neutrality and they're just going to see sure. us as invading humans. So you better get some combat skills. And if we're going to go into those dangerous places, you know, we're going to have to take that risk. But from a design standpoint, is there any reason why a designer would make his his game or design his game such that it was, at some level, impossible to avoid combat everywhere and always? Hmm. I mean, if you had patrolled space routes, I suppose you could. I suppose you could design it that way. I mean, patrolled uh, jump lanes, if all you want to do is cargo haul from one sector to another, I mean, yeah, you could, but why? Okay. Lena, what do you think? combat itself um whether you can actually avoid you know your ship being shot and everything like that just the the very base model of having an open space sandbox effectively an open space sim um if somebody wants to turn their lasers on you and shoot they don't have to have a good reason for it which i think is actually the sort of driving force behind the question is is there a reason that we can avoid combat is there a reason i have to shoot people is there a reason people have to shoot me and i think that by making lots of safe harbor zones you could create a very safe space where people can fly around and operate, but then you kind of have to ask yourself, you know, what is it that you're going to do in there? Because effectively then you've just reduced it in the Star Citizen game features to effectively nothing but cargo runs and escort quests, which... Well, not even escort quests, because someone might take a poke at you Well, you, while you're I escorting mean, something. Uh, you, uh, all that I meant by that was um, human cargo, but saying it like that is more like slavery, if you see what I mean. Just <laughs> and, uh, You've got to take an NPC from Station A to Station B because they don't have a ship, something of that nature. Oh, uh, uh, transport. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's a Car- much cargo, better Cargo or passenger human, transport. Yeah. Human cargo slash transport. No, right, <laughs> definitely, human, definitely yeah, much let, better. Let's, let's go with trans. Human cargo sounds... You can see why I was avoiding it now. It was uh, right. Yes, you know. yes, yes, yes. Very clear. Very clear. Yeah. Well, I, I think that I think the challenge is is for the designers to maybe to provide enough mini game type things that it's interesting and engaging. I think that that is a challenge that the designers can take or leave. They can pick it up and use it or not. I'll go ahead and you know, compare it with our other space sim favorite, um, Elite Dangerous. If you want to avoid player versus player combat, they have the option for you to log into your own server instance and have a universe with just you and the NPCs. Or conversely, you can create a private universe instance where there's just you and your buddies 
and the NPCs. And the NPCs are going to take a poke at you if you're in the wrong place. But if you're in a safe harbor zone, they can open up on you, but they'll get blown up by the stations. You know, the consequences are high for breaking the do not fire rules. And over on the elite side, there are a lot of people who are really upset that you can avoid PvP combat entirely in that game. Tonight's just not my night for PvPing. I want to be able to turn it off. Yeah, which I, they're definitely saying you can. I, you know, the question was... No, about... they're not. The PvP slider isn't going to go all the way to zero. You can choose your course to minimize the chances. Okay. But they're not going to guarantee you an effective zero option. Fine. And I think I, that's a mistake. Okay, that's that's cool. What I was trying to say, though, was the question was about combat. NPCs included. Are there going to be missions I can take that don't involve me having to shoot anything? Yeah, but they're not. But they're not going to guarantee you that you won't be interrupted or interdicted while you're trying to carry out that mission. And that's the question I've had of every game that I've ever played. Is it necessary for me to go out and do 40 missions of 100 battles, uh, whether it's you know trolls or spaceships? Is it our common denominator that we have to actually destroy something to advance? And um, I don't think that's necessary. I don't either, but but uh, as someone pointed out, it all depends on the game that you want to play. I mean, if you're playing World of Warcraft, for example, that's the kind of stuff that you're going to have to do. Right. It, it, you will be killing rats in the basement right. to start off with. Right. That's what you have to do. And, you know, and that was think... my one critique of Star Trek Online when I first started playing it was, this is not the Federation I dreamed of. Every situation was resolved in battle. In fact, there were lesser battles in, in the whole entire series than there was not. I mean, they tried to avoid battle at all costs. But it seems like game developers always default to these scenarios where you have to go and battle something. Well, I mean, I think that's I think that's just smart because I can go to my office and negotiate contracts. You know, you can go to your work and you can haul stuff. Some people actually are the U- the actual UPS man. They don't need to come home from work and be the space UPS man. They want to go blow some things up. I think that that's fine. But I think that there's also some nights or some play sessions you're you just want to get ahead a little bit on some other thing. It would behoove them to accommodate the widest possible styles of play, the widest number of styles of play. And one of those would be, tonight I'm a space trucker. I gotta truck some things, I gotta make some credits so I can buy this gun to go on my fighter, and tomorrow night I'm ready to risk some damage to my ship or losing a life or whatever it is. I I think those options need to be there. I think it needs to be, you know, considered at a fundamental level, is that sometimes people want to do it, sometimes they don't. Some people want to do it, some people don't. And I think you're going to, in the long run, serve a wider number of people, make more people happy about your game. Long-term success will follow if you can accommodate all that. By now, whether it's from GamesCon presentation back in early September or more recently at CitizenCon, we're sure you've all seen Star Citizen Alpha 2.0. And as Chris said in one of the most recent 10 for the Chairman episodes, they're skipping Star Marine for now, and the next module to be released will be 2.0. To keep us up to date on the status, CIG have extended the info on the Star Marine updates to now also include news on the Star Citizen Alpha 2.0. As we've come to expect from the Star Marine updates, CIG breakdown the areas being worked on into distinct categories. Gameplay and engineering, UI, art, animation, audio, and finally blocking issues. Reading very similar to the patch notes, we're told that this week they've added no fire zones around the main base, added extra missions to the asteroid fields, smoothed out the quantum travel animations, 
and much, much more. As always, there are some known issues, and they say that mainly it's the network and multiplayer issue that are holding them back on the functionality side. See, Tony, I was right. Oh, yes. Further, EVA is currently a little difficult to maneuver in. They've had some issues with the local physics grids on single-seater ships, meaning that you can't walk around them during flight. Actually, Jeff, I hate to interrupt you, but breaking news! Just as we're recording the show, CIG has posted another update which contains continuations of the art, audio, and UI changes, but curiously, under the blockers section, netcode-related issues don't make an appearance. Instead, the only blockers listed are characters are missing interior sections of their helmets, the push-and-pull system seems to be conflicting with another control system because it's currently catapulting the player into deep space! Particles seem to stop rendering in some gravitational areas, but not all, needs further investigation, and ballistic weapons can cause a crash, and there's various other stability issues to fix up. Hmm, so netcode solved? Is that the implication Whoa. we should take away here? I'm not going to go that far. I think it's it got some ways to go yet. Um. Yeah, I mean, that's how I initially took it, but... Having heard it read out there, there's one line that really actually caught my attention, which was, other stability f issues to fix up. Is that a hidden way of saying netcode? And I've only just caught onto that? Hmm. Ah, uh, hence the... I, I, who know, who know, maybe, yes. I mean, I, the, the netcode is the biggest problem. I mean, the, the sheer amount of data that's got to exchange places from one end of the planet to the other. That's going to be the, the biggest problem. You know, and even on relatively simple games, you know, the Lennon, you and I, are, we played the early release of Sword Coast Legends, and that's basically like an isometric Baldur's Gate successor. During the early release, there were net problems all the time, oh, and the DC amount of data that has like to crazy. exchange for that game is... Yeah, yeah, but overall, I think it looks to be making some pretty decent progress, and I'm glad to see that we hopefully will have something to play in soon. Obviously, the deadline that was kind of touted around was end of the year, I'm still a little skeptical on that, but it'd be great if it was. I do also feel that, yeah, the skipping of the Star Marine, I, th I think there's a lot more holding up Star Marine than we're being told about, and that's obviously, you know, it's a good decision to swap the module release orders over. Well, right, and again, hopefully the decision to branch, as we discussed in prior episodes, the decision to branch, there was, there's really no good way to look at it except in hindsight. They've now remerged all the code, and so these sorts of decisions like, this part is giving us trouble, this part is not, let's move that up. You know, that that's those sorts of decisions should be easier now because you just disable bits and pieces of the code and you don't worry about it. It's all in the same development branch. But some parts of it run, some parts of it don't on the production side. So hopefully as we move forward, that's going to be an easier set of decisions to make. And now it's time for news we didn't use. The Aegis Sabre Q&A. If you have Qs, they have the A's. Bug Smashers! Episode 13, brand new desk, same great event. Advocacy Archive, Glaive Attack. Sometimes it's better to ask questions first and shoot later. The latest entry into the Galactic Guide, the Croshaw System. One small step for man, one giant jump for mankind. And around the verse, Season 2, Episode 4, check out the sneak peek for a great shot of the Xi'an Scout. And this week, our hazard index is rhombus. 
In addition to the dull roar of social media drama we've come to expect from this issue, there were only two items of any note this week. First, you may recall that GF got our FU from DS when we jokingly referred to ourselves as the Church of CR. Then somebody went and posted a thesis about that on the Star Citizen forums and got themselves banned for comparing CR to JC. Uh, note to FVP, no more Buddy Christ photoshops. Okay, thanks, bye. Um, another interesting point was observed by a uh, blogger named Nosy Gamer. Star Citizen recently went open to everybody for alpha. If you backed, you get into alpha. There's no more alpha passes. There's no more you know looking back to when you back to find out what your your package access was. Everybody can play as long as you buy a ship. Uh, Nosy Gamer pointed out that everybody who logged in after that needed to accept the new terms of service. So if you're a Kickstarter and you didn't buy alpha access, then you can get it now, but you have to accept the new terms of service. Only reason that's relevant is because new terms of service include the new delivery date language that's of controversial note in this entire drama. So everyone who's a Kickstarter backer had to re-up and agree to the new terms of service. So that was an interesting little uh, observation, I thought. Other than that, we're just waiting around for people to do something. All right, now that we got that out of the way, now it's time for some guard frequency news. Ladies and gentlemen, this show is a labor of love. It takes hours of time from six to eight people each week to get the show to the level that we want and you deserve. We give it professional level effort and have a great time doing it, as I think anybody who's ever listened to us at live uh, or on uh, the live recording will tell you. Over the past few months, it's taken a lot more labor in order to put a show together that we love. It's no secret to anybody in this audience why that is, but just in case, let me spell it out. The latent issues with this game's production were brought under very public scrutiny by a very divisive personality. These are issues that we've been addressing for months on the show. Issues like stretching out the stretch goals, changing damage models and netcode midstream, devoting a large amount of time and resources to the mocap shoot, I could go on and on. I like to think that we address them in a more reserved, diplomatic, and hopefully constructive way. Unfortunately, current conversations about these topics in the Star Citizen community at large have taken a rather ugly turn. There's plenty of room for improvement on both sides of the line. It's hard work to ride that line like we try to do here. We know our audience and we know ourselves. Nobody downloads a fanboy podcast for doom and gloom. I sure as hell wouldn't. But it's tough to stay positive about the end product and yet still be constructively critical of the process. Here's the thing. Our process... Our podcast needs to stay fun for us and for you folks listening. And right now, Star Citizen ain't that much fun. All of us here on the show desperately want this game. All of us here are monetarily invested in its success and emotionally entangled with its difficulties. That's a roller coaster I can do without in my hobby time. And if I'm not feeling the fun, it makes it tough for me to keep expecting half a dozen other people to bring their A game each week. So since we here at Guard Frequency are all about solutions, here's ours. We're going to expand our scope. Each week, we sign off asking you folks if you want to help us make the best damned Space Sim podcast ever. Obviously, this is a play on Chris Roberts' nickname for Star Citizen. But no matter what happens to that game, its visibility has brought back the Space Sim. And there's a whole galaxy of games out there that need someone to keep an ear out for their news. And that's the plan. Starting with episode 101, Guard Frequency is going to truly become the best damned Space Sim podcast ever by covering all the space sims out there, including Star Citizen. Our plan right now is to cover as many games as we can in writing on our site, 
and include the most interesting two or three stories each week in the show. Everything else from squawk to feedback will stay more or less the same. Nuggets might be a bit tricky, but we'll wing it. It'll be okay. For everyone who's backed us on Patreon, thank you so much for all the support you've given us. It really is a tangible way for you to tell us we're doing something right. We hope that we're entertaining enough that broadening our horizons excites you as much as it excites us, but we'll understand if you want to cancel your pledge. We're giving you plenty of time to do so before the format change in December. If you have any concerns, please let us know via that Patreon messaging system. We hope you all, patron or not, we hope you all stay tuned. Because if no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. All right, that brings us to this week's community question. Lay it on us. Don't hold back. Are we betraying a sacred trust? Is a format change long overdue? Want to make sure the door hits us on the way out? Let us know your thoughts. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post in our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. Now that we're all cut up with the latest news from around the verse, let's take a behind-the-scenes look at Castro's new tourism commercial in this week's Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets! Thanks again for agreeing to be part of this campaign, Mr. Kerrigan. My pleasure. I've told my agent to sign me up to say anything for anyone for the right price. <laughs> Uh, of, of, of course. Um, uh, your script's uh, right here, so uh, if you just look over here into this camera and just start any time. Okay, here we go. Castra. It's the place Cut! where... Uh, sorry? He has to introduce himself first. Agent stipulation. Oh, okay. Uh, take two. Okay. Hi. This is Carrie Kerrigan for... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, who, what outfit are you guys with again? I don't even remember. Cut! This is for the Castra Tourism and Immigration Bureau. Okay, right. Take three. Hi, this is Carrie Kerrigan for the Castra Tourism and Immigration Bureau. Uh, shouldn't we shorten it somehow, like CTIB? Cut! It's the official name. We have to use it. UECC Acronym Reduction Regulations. Ask the Banu Interplanetary Trade, Customs, and Hospitality Bureau how they like it. Okay, okay. Uh, just move on to the next line, Mr. Kerrigan. We'll fix it in post. Uh, take four. Sure thing. Have you ever seen the galactically famous city in the clouds? Can't say that. False advertising. What do you mean it's false advertising? How? It's galactically famous. Do you have any marketing data with even one Van Duel that's heard of the place? Seriously? <laughs> Fine. Okay. Let's skip that line as well, Mr. Kerrigan. Okay. Uh, take five. Just call me Kerry. It uh, seems like we might be here a while. You know Castro from history as the center point of the Xi'an Cold War. Cut! Have we verified the pronunciation on the Xi'an? I pronounced it Xi'an when I met someone who was a Xi'an. It, it didn't start a war. Yeah, there's no official pronunciation guide I've checked. Um, next line, please, Kerry. And you've probably heard it called the most popular retirement spot in the Cut. Empire. Uh, look, okay, we're not saying it's the most popular retirement spot. We're saying people call it that. No, that's fine, but we have to call it the UEE. Market research says that plays better. Oh, f f okay, sorry, Kerry. One more time and uh, keep going, okay? Uh, take six. It's been called the most popular retirement spot in the UEE. But now it's great for kids, too. We've got a whole list of reasons for you to get your daughters and sons on the beach. Uh, really? You're okay with that? It's not even close to okay, but unfortunately, bad puns aren't banned under the UECC regs. Uh, guys, my throat's getting a little bit dry. Can we, can we take a quick break? 
uh, yeah, I need to check the quality on those last samples anyway. So, yeah, take a five, everyone. We just finished take six. What's wrong with you? Okay, buddy. What's on your mind? We're all friendlies. So let's just be friendly. Some say he lost 3-1 to one in a Hearthstone match against CIG's Darian Volick, and that he thinks 10 for the All-Stars is a song by Smash Mouth. But all he knows is he's called the Shiv, and he helped put together this week's feedback. Our community question last week was, how would you refer to the new referral system? Feedback was mostly general, with just a dash of an answer to that community question, so we've got it all kind of mixed in a hodgepodge. Sean Newboy writes in and says, Wonderful show, everyone. Make sure those kids from the classroom get plenty of Fruity Odie bars. Question, does anyone know if the science module variants will be of the varying types? The reason I ask is that an astrometrics lab would be very different from a biochem lab. Take my powerful words. Take them! <laughs> we always do. And I, I'm sure they're going to have different labs, but I don't think that the design document covered those things in depth. It was just science. Science. Ryokan writes in and says, Great show. The speed of light weapons, also known as hitscan, was some of the largest issues that MWO had and still might. I haven't played it in months. MWO is also a cryengine game, so there's where the technical difficulties talk comes with that. Uh, MWO being MechWarrior Online, in case anybody doesn't know. As far as the referral system, I'm not a fan of these in general, but I'm not terribly offended by it being there either. It seems like something that should have been in much earlier. The short answer is, though, I'm not really concerned about it at all. Galen Rick writes in to say, Good shows, guys. Been away for a little while. As for the referral program, it's a great idea if it was released two or three years ago. It would have given us something else to do while waiting for something playable, a.k.a. Arena Commander, and would encourage us to spread the word. Releasing it now is a bit late, as all of us have already spread the word to anyone, quote, willing to listen. And other people have probably heard about Star Citizen thanks to the likes of Mr. Smart and his capers. Sorry, CIG, the horse has long since bolted as far as any use this program could have had. Ken from Chicago is disgusted by my blatant anti-AI speciesism. He says that NPCs are good enough to load, unload, clean ships, but not to pilot them. And I replied back to him and said, yes, because I can't dock their wages when they blow up my ship. <laughs> because they're dead. That's right. true. Right. There's no recourse. I mean, you know. <laughs> There's no recourse. <laughs> Retribution on death. Death isn't enough punishment for them? <laughs> <laughs> Death's too good for you, NPC who lost my ship. To be honest, though, what do you expect from someone who can't die? He just doesn't get the that, concept that, of how this would be a point. bad that's thing. That's right, that's right. Yeah. For everybody else. Good, good, good point. <laughs> Titus Krieger writes in and says, Outstanding show, guys. Seriously. R-O-O-S-O-F-L-M-A-O, which stands for Rolling Out of Seat onto Floor Laughing My Ass Off. No kidding. I was very happy I wasn't driving. Episode 93 is my new favourite. I'll refer back to a previous general feedback post. I've listened to all Guard Frequency shows, having caught up to the present, so here's what I have learned. And he provides us a nice little rundown of bullet points that we're going to take one at a time. So, Tony, kick us off. Oh, yes, obviously, I would get this first one. The show is so much funnier when Tony is wrong. Only real men know how to best wake themselves up in the morning. Upgrade that cup of joe with Descaler. <laughs> And Jeff's hot tub is still on back order. Wild horses can't keep Lennon away, but, and this is my addendum, almost anything else can. <laughs> Moisture-sensing klaxons are for infectious laughter bladder management. Something, 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 mini jump points, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we, we get that one for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lennon is really a Texan in British disguise. Who told you? I mean, uh, 
yeah. Uh, space pirate CPAs are truly scary. <laughs> <laughs> truly. Wingamanga has firm peaches. <laughs> <laughs> Tony most likely sleeps on a bed of heated, vibrating track balls. <laughs> oh, if you only knew the truth, sir. There can only be one way to pronounce all names. Jeff's way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tony plays with prairie chickens. Lennon is a clock Nazi and Jeff is immortal. You got it all right. And to be clear, this next line is his feedback, not me. Here's the thing. <laughs> yeah, that did I not ban that phrase from being uttered on the show? Because that kind of you, that is, it, it. you can't. It's part of the fabric <sighs> of the show, Lennon. If you banned that phrase, we wouldn't have a show. Well, that's that's true. Uh, continuing with the list, episode ninety three is hilarious. We all love the game we are making. That's true, we do. He goes on to say, about the referral program, whoever thought of this is three years too late. I really hope CIG, and more importantly, Mr. Roberts, takes a moment and really reflects back on what founding backers have enabled him to do. His lifelong dream to make exactly the game he has seen in his mind is possible. Among other valid points, I truly hope he considers how recent CIG decisions are a smack to all founding backers' faces. Ooh. Ooh, he came close to the line on that word, but he did not uh, He did not say slap in the face, so we're going to allow it. We're going to allow this one. This needs to be abolished or award founding backers with better recognition. Keep up the great work, guys. Might have to consider adding a do not operate heavy equipment warning if you guys keep getting <laughs> Well, luckily for you, I managed to cuddle the humor from this episode. Salodian. I agree with Titus on all counts and bullet points. Great show and great job, Osteron. The Nuggets were a whole new level since the staff writer came on board. Too funny. Kudos to the audio engineer on the bloopers and kudos to you guys for hitting the 100 per episode mark. More goodness for everyone. I don't care for the referral system. It should not be a spammable thing. People interested should give it, uh, their emails to a backer of choice. The backer then sends a unique referral link to the interested person and the referee clicks on that link to become a recruit prospect. Having codes all over the ether is internet trolling, really. And Ostron replies to say, with credit where it's due, this week's Nugget script was actually mostly Shiv's brainchild, with some editing by Tony, but he appreciates the feedback. Peter posted promptly upon Patreon, nicely done chaps, carry on the good work. Eric also posted on Patreon, I just got to the part where Tony is explaining how we have to be patient for patches and I laughed a huge belly laugh. Luckily, we are a patient bunch. <laughs> I love your guys' show and Miss Lennon, but new Jeff is great. Can we have four? Also for Shiv, I've been getting very excited about Elite Dangerous because I've been watching Kate's ED Twitch stream. The future is so bright, we have to wear shades. And Nathan joined the Patreon posters to postulate, congrats on reaching $100. Well deserved. Full disclosure on reaching the $100 mark. We did breach that $100 mark, and uh, that triggers an automatic notification to all, the, all of our Patreon backers. There was, uh, uh, we, we took an accounting measure this week because Lennon, being the marvelously wonderful person he is, has been paying out of pocket for some of our services that we've been using for both this show and for Priority One. We're trying to make it so that Lennon doesn't have to do that, but Lennon, being the absurdly generous person that he is, continues to insist on paying for it. Uh, so that tripped us over. But all, not all that money is going right to Guard Frequency because it's for Priority One Network in total, but he likes us better than Priority One because we're a more awesome show it's true. and stuff. So he donated it to our Patreon campaign rather than splitting it. So, yes, we broke 100 No, we kind of didn't. We're folding this in with our uh, our format change that we talked about earlier in the show. It'll all come out in the wash. If 
you're a Patreon backer and you have concerns about this going forward, please talk to us. We'll be happy to work with anybody that has questions or issues on it. But it's all part of the changes that we're doing at Priority One and at Card Frequency uh, before the end of the year. Our new Patreons this week is Gabrielle Feodius and the Snowed One. Our winners of a brand new patch is Peter. And this week's community question, play it on us, don't hold back. Are we betraying a sacred trust? Is a format change long overdue? Want to make sure the door hits us on the way out? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post in our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. So, how was the show? Was it a wild ride like discovering the jump point from Seoul to Stanton? Or was it more like trying to catch a wave on a leaky faucet? Either way, let us know. Here are some ways you can get in touch with us. Check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. Leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com. You can also subscribe to feeds.guardfrequency.com or just find us on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak and leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback's an important part of what we do, so take a minute. Tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 94 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 95 on November 3rd, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at GuardFrequency.com or the official Robert Space Industries fan site subforum. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways we just ran down, you can use the contact form on our website, and all the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us can be found in the show notes. Do you like what we do? Want to come help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? If so, just send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And don't forget about our sister production, Priority One. They cover Star Trek Online and the greater Star Trek universe. Be sure to check them out at priorityonepodcast.com. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, then you should join us live over at guardfrequency.com forward slash live. We start recording around 11 p.m. Central, and that's Saturdays at 5 a.m. GMT. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artist, Ben Sanders and Simon Chorton Edwards, our staff writer, Jeff Grant, and our audio engineer, Michael Duncan. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit ronaldjenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. And Nuggets for Nuggets, we take a behind-the-scenes look at Castro's new tourum... Tourum... We take a look. Uh, See, this is what happens when Ostrom's not here, or rather, when I'm unique here. New York, unique, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's wait. Whose fault is it this week? The new guy's not not here. Okay, probably my fault then. We'll go with that. Oh, aside from my screw up, that went pretty well. Sorry, uh, it's early in the morning. I'm semi retarded. I'll stop. <clears throat> Damn it! Why now? Ah, uh, what the hell? Sip, sip. Hang on, hang on. <clears throat> oh, of all the times to for the voice to go, it's right on the last bit. Okay. And blinded me with science. <laughs> that was good radio. That was. <laughs>